This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One of the hosts of the podcast, my name is Kyle Dabro. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here, other half of the podcast. Kyle, happy Monday, my man. Yes, sir. Had a nice long day at work, but got some food in me, got a nice shower. I'm just ready to rock and roll. How about you? Same, man. Got back from a little trip this past weekend, fully refreshed, uh, did some laundry, cleaned up the crib a little bit, had my first day back in the office. And by in the office, I mean right back in the office here in the crib. So uh, just kind of just getting myself back acclimated and whatnot, but super happy to be back. Yes, sir. I'm a little bit envious of you having that, uh, that work from home life. I wouldn't definitely be opposed to that. So, but what I do pays the bills. And honestly, that's all I care about at this point. So, but outside of that, we got a lot to get to today. We got a couple topics, mostly going to be NBA related. Um, guys, if you guys have been paying attention to these conference final series, they have just been utter runaways with the Miami Heat being up 3-0 in their series. As of right now, the Denver Nuggets are up 3-0 in their series. So we're recording as the Game four matchup between the Lakers and the Nuggets is ongoing. Uh, that's something that we'll cover at the end of the episode, but kind of similar to what I was bringing up with Miami and Boston, just Denver has taken full advantage of that series against the Lakers, and they do have a potential to wrap this series up in four games in a four-game sweep. Uh, that's something that we'll get to at the end, like I mentioned. Some other topics we'll get to is uh, Carmelo, oh, excuse me, Carmelo Anthony has retired from the NBA after 19 seasons. Uh, one of the most beloved players in the NBA over the last 20 years. As of right now, LeBron is the only player left from that 2003 NBA draft. Um, LeBron's 38 years old. Carmelo put his time in. It's just unfortunate that he wasn't able to get that elusive championship next to his name. Had some opportunities, just fell short. It just uh, a great career nonetheless, but man, I wish he was able to get that one championship next to his name. Uh, outside of that, we will talk about uh, the John Morant situation. Obviously, if you guys were paying attention to the John Morant news last week, uh, he was caught on Instagram Live once again flexing a gun. Uh, this was the second time that we've seen an incident where John Morant has flashed a gun on Instagram Live over the last two months. Yet, Kevin and I have already spoken our piece about that John Morant situation when it comes to what we think the suspension should be in regards to what he's been doing over the last couple of months. Uh, this mostly has to do with the fact that the NBA is dragging their feet on the situation. It's been over a week since this news broke and there really hasn't been any sort of development as far as a timetable of how long the situation uh, is going to be in regards to the suspension. 
So we may hear about it later this week. It could come after the NBA Finals, but honestly, this is something that has taken a little bit too long, in my opinion, and that's something that we'll get to. And then after that, we'll talk about James Harden and potentially getting a $200 million contract this offseason. Supposedly, he wants to team up with a playoff contender. There's been a lot of rumors circulating that he could be open to a return to Houston, where he spent a good chunk of his career after spending some time in OKC. So I know Kev's got plenty to talk about that, knowing that Kev is definitely one of the biggest James Harden fans I've ever come across. So he will definitely have some things to say about that. And like I said, we'll, we'll cover the Lakers and Nuggets series. Uh, more than likely, by the time that we reach that point in the episode, uh, we'll have a clearer view on whether or not this series is going to be wrapped up in four or if this goes back to Denver for game five. So, Kev, first things first. We got to talk about Miami Heat just utterly dominating the Boston Celtics in this Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Uh, ga- game four is going to take place on Tuesday night. And there's a really good chance that this series could end up in a four-game suite with Miami advancing to the finals. Boston has just been utterly manhandled this entire series. And in game three, they just got ran off the court in Miami. Miami was just knocking down three points left and right. And it got to the point where Boston was resting their starters pretty much the entire fourth quarter just because of how bad Miami was beating them down. So as it is right now, granted, Boston still could technically come back, but it is highly unlikely. Uh, We've never seen a 3-0 deficit comeback in any sort of playoff capacity in the NBA. I highly doubt that's going to happen here. So Kev, I'm just going to kick this one to you. Kev, with game four taking place Tuesday night, do the Miami Heat close a series out and get a four-game sweep against the Boston Celtics to advance to the NBA Finals? To be completely honest, I believe this ends in a sweep for a multitude of reasons. First and foremost, the Miami Heat want it more. Game three showed it. This is why I always say that hard work, dedication, and grit are going to just beat out talent. On paper, the Boston Celtics are so much better. So much better than the Miami Heat. You have Tatum, you have Brown, Smart, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon. So many amazing, incredible players on this team, right? And a pretty solid bench. And a head coach who took over for Ime Udoka at 34 years of age. And nobody really said anything when Boston was kind of popping off in the regular season. Nobody was calling for his job. Nobody was saying that... You know, like he was incompetent, he was inexperienced, that he didn't know what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, Boston starts to lose, and suddenly he's lost the locker room. Suddenly he has no concept with adjustments. He doesn't know how to coach a team. This roster was totally fine last year. Ime Udoka got the best of them. But everybody was saying during the regular season in the first two rounds, oh, who needs Ime? This roster is loaded enough. Nobody was saying anything when Jason Tatum dropped 51 points in Game 7 of the semifinals. Nobody was saying anything when Malcolm Brogdon won Defensive Player of the Year. Nobody was saying anything when Jalen Brown was slowly becoming... Sixth man of the year. Sixth man of the year. Sixth man of the year. Excuse me. Thank you very much. Um, Nobody was saying anything when Jalen Brown was emerging as the potential fourth quarter scorer of the Boston Celtics throughout the postseason and the end of the regular season. Now, typical Boston sports, they got to have a scapegoat, right? All these major sports teams, just like Doc Rivers in Philadelphia, just like Monty Williams in Phoenix, everybody has to have a scapegoat. And it just so happens, that happens to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. We're focusing on the wrong things here. 
Let's not focus on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown turning the ball over. Let's not focus on the fact that their shot selection was atrocious. Let's not focus on the fact that they're unable to keep the ball away from Miami in terms of turnovers. Let's not focus on the fact that your players aren't getting back on defense. Let's not focus on the fact that you're playing terrible transition, offense and defense. But it's Joe Missoula's fault. Missoula, right? Joe Missoula? Am I, am, am I getting that correct? I'm probably butchering that. I mean, you keep going. I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, but it's Missoula. It, yeah. It, yeah. So I find it comical, again, in the NBA particularly, that it's always the head coach's fault when players aren't performing. He said in the media, I believe, yesterday after the game, I didn't get the most out of them. I didn't prepare them. Again, doing what a head coach is supposed to do. You know, taking the, taking the blame, acknowledging that it's his fault, the buck starts with him, everything that a head coach is supposed to say. But now people are calling for his job. Now the New England media is calling for him to be dismissed. Now people are asking for a new head coach. Kind of funny, right? Because you're number two in the Eastern Conference all year round. Jason Tatum is all NBA first team. Marcus Smart wins... Um, also, uh, uh, hustle player of the year. Malcolm Brogdon wins wins sixth man of the year. Nobody said anything all season. Maybe Boston just maybe underestimated Miami. Maybe Boston thought that they can get over it. I mean, Jalen Brown said, a bunch of guys are beating us that shouldn't, and kudos to them, or guys that we should be able to contain. I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote. But the point of the matter is you're getting run off the floor by seven undrafted free agents. The point of the matter is you're getting run off the floor by 33-year-old Jimmy Butler. The point of the matter is they don't have Tyler Hero. They don't have Victor Oladipo. Udonis Haslam is basically the ultimate cheerleader, and he's getting chance to come into a game that you guys are getting blown out by 20-plus points, 30-plus points. What is your excuse? Because when you take the coaching aside, I don't want to hear it. You don't want it. You have no effort. You have no, no, no drive. Jimmy Butler's in your head. And you're just getting outperformed by players like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, who was benched for the last season and a half because he couldn't defend or get anything going offensively. Caleb Barton, who J. Cole had to save his career when getting cut by Charlotte. What are we talking about here? You have so many notable named actual NBA players, former All-Stars, pros, all pros, excuse me, and you're still losing. I don't want to hear it. Boston always has excuses. All Boston sports always have excuses. Oh, the Patriots. Well, well, it's got to be Mac Jones and not the not 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 Matt, not Matt Patricia. Oh, in, in New England, it's got to be uh in in Boston, it's got to be Joe Missoula. For the Red Sox, it's got to be Alex Cora. It's got to be so and so. It's got to be this. The Bruins, number one ranked all time. Uh, NHL offensive team, number one ranked team all time in NHL. Uh, total record, right? They lose in the first round to the Panthers, which, by the way, the Panthers are about to go to the Stanley Cup. They're two games away from that. So just let that marinate, right? Typical Boston fans always complaining and never blaming the players. Miami wants it more. They're hustling. They're playing with more, more grit, more passion. They're scoring at an efficient clip. They're shooting at a better clip. They're attacking the paint. And they're playing aggressive on defense. Those are playoff basketball tendencies. Those are playoff basketball traits. So... I expect Miami to close this out because Boston needed game three. And if not to get game three, to at least make it competitive. They got mollywopped. Absolutely embarrassed. There's no room 
for error of that magnitude at this stage in the postseason. This isn't the first round. This isn't the play-in tournament. This isn't game one of the semifinals. This is game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. You're already down 2-0 on your enemy's home floor. You got run off the table. Basically, halfway through the third quarter, you had given up. You, you waved the white flag as the second half started. And now you go into game four down 3-0 and no team has ever come back from it. So I expect Miami to go out here and I expect the momentum to continue, the shooting performance to continue, and Jimmy Butler to continue to troll the entire Celtics organization. So Tobias Harris over Jimmy. Tobias Harris over Jimmy. That quote's got to be singing in Philly's head, man, because this man Jimmy Butler is about to will the Miami Heat with these random no-name players into an NBA Finals berth. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple. I think just going into game four, Miami has all the momentum. And I think at this point, you kind of have to be a fool to pick the Celtics just based on how they've looked in this series so far. Like Kev said, Boston has been thoroughly outplayed and just out-hustled. Miami is not playing like an eight seed. They are playing with the playoff intensity that you would typically see from a top four seed in any sort of conference, whether it be the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference. And Kev, I just don't see how Boston could be able to gain any sort of momentum back knowing how game three played out with, like you said, Boston getting just completely destroyed in game three where they needed that game to get back into the, into the series. It's just with me, Boston has had no answer for Miami's role players. And it's like what Kev said. It's guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, uh, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson. All of these guys have been on fire behind the three-point line. Where, Kev, there, there have been some games where Miami is shooting upwards of 50%, even higher than that, behind the three-point line. And it's not just one game where they hit that. They are hitting that multiple times. In this series and in some of the past series, they have been able to replicate that success. And to me, this is one of those situations where Eric Spolster, the head coach of the Miami Heat, he has completely outclassed Joe Mazzulla. It's not even close. And it's simple. Boston does not have an answer when Miami drives into the paint and they kick it out to either Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, where they're basically just sitting behind the three-point line, getting ready to spot up and shoot a three. And most of the time, I'd say probably five to six times out of ten, they're knocking down those three-pointers consistently. How you gonna stop that? You have to make some sort of adjustment against that. Joe Mazzulla has not done that, and Boston is finding themselves in a hole that they're probably not gonna dig themselves out of. And you know, when I look at Jason Tatum, I think Tatum's been pretty solid this series. It's not like he's going out there and only scoring 15, 20 points a game. He's put up 30 points multiple times throughout the series. The one guy that I think has really failed to show up in this series for Boston has been Jalen Brown. It's not even close. Jalen, by the three-point line, has been ice cold in this series. And just overall, like he has not been able to get into a rhythm and has put Boston behind the eight ball offensively. And then, you know, you kick it back to Miami. Jimmy Butler's having a pretty solid series. But to me, this is just more of a team effort from Miami. And it kind of goes back to the idea that I've looked at with Golden State. Golden State's motto in the playoffs when they were going to finals and back-to-back-to-back years was strength in numbers. And honestly, you could apply that same phrase to what Miami is doing right now because, Kev, just to kind of go over the game three stats a little bit, Duncan Robinson had 22 points. 
Caleb Martin had 18 points. Max Struess had 10 points. Gabe Vincent led the team with 29 points. And then Jimmy had 16. This is just a group effort where guys are getting their opportunity to shine. They're taking the most, they're making the most of it. And they're flourishing at a high level. So to me, this series is over. Even if Boston wins game four, hypothetically, I think that Miami can walk into Boston for game five and still win that game. So to me, Miami has a complete stranglehold on this series. I think there's a very high chance that they wrap this up in four games. I've never seen an ace seed be this dominant in the NBA my entire life. There have been times where an ace seed has won a series against a number one seed. It doesn't happen often, but it has happened. But this is the first time I can legitimately look at an eight seed with the 2022-2023 Miami Heat and say that this is the best eight seed that I've ever seen. And they actually have a chance to win the NBA Finals. If that were to happen, it's the greatest Cinderella story that I've ever seen in NBA history. Granted, there have been probably some Cinderella teams that you can look in the past that have maybe had similar type of success, but never as an eight seed. This would be unprecedented in NBA history if Miami were to not only win this series, but win the NBA Finals. And Kev, it's like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Miami barely made it in to the playoffs as is. They were going toe-to-toe with the Chicago Bulls just to be able to get into the playoffs as the eighth seed in that second play-in tournament game. And they have just completely... They got the momentum from the Milwaukee series, and they have never looked back. And granted, whoever comes out of the West, more than likely it's going to be the Nuggets because I don't see the Lakers coming back from a 3-0 deficit. You know, it's going to be Miami versus Denver, more than likely. And I think that with the way Miami's playing... They got a real good chance of giving themselves a shot to win the NBA Finals. So this this is more like a coronation for Miami at this point. I'm not really giving Boston any sort of chance to win. Boston has to slow down their three-point shooters uh, with Miami. If they don't do that, they're going to lose this game just because Miami's been lights out behind the three-point line, and they've never made an adjustment to it. I'm not expecting that to change. The only way that Boston were to win a game four is if that were to happen, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and their role players step up, which has not happened really at all in this series. They might get good performances here and there from Jason Tatum and Malcolm Brogdon, but Jalen Brown has really been a no-show in this series. And, you know, you could say the same with Marcus Smart to a certain extent, where gets into foul trouble, gets a couple tees, doesn't really help the team uh, move in a positive fashion. You know, unless all that were to completely reverse itself and Boston finds itself knocking down three-point shots, playing good defense on the other side. There's no way that Boston's going to win this game. So to me, I got Miami all day in this, and I got them advancing to the finals. It's kind of insane when you think about it, right? Like Dwayne Wade, when he retired, left the keys to the kingdom pretty much available on the table because Jimmy Butler was in Philadelphia (laughs) at the time. And you have to look at this like, there's this famous picture that's like circulating where Jimmy and Dwayne are sitting on the bench the last time the two of them faced off in the regular season. And it's like, then the, then the gif or the, the, the meme came up where like underneath the picture of Jimmy and Dwayne on the bench, it's Mufasa and Simba from the Lion King essentially saying Dwayne is passing the keys to the kingdom to Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Two times, if they were to close this out in four or if they advance to the finals regardless, which Kyle and I both believe that they will, this would be the second time in four years. 
they go to the finals. The Heat have not been to the finals since Dwayne Wade was there with LeBron James in 2014. Jimmy has now done this twice. People need to put respect on Jimmy Butler's name. I will not go further into detail, as I already have. Playoff Jimmy has been displayed throughout the entire postseason. If Miami, I will, I will, I will end this segment with this. If Miami caps this off with an NBA championship, Jimmy Butler will go down as one of the greatest NBA playoff performers in history. Mm-hmm. Not only an eighth seed, not only a guy that was said to be a step down from Dwayne Wade when he handed the keys over, not only were the Miami Heat not favored in any series, but with injuries and a, and, a, and a random roster and a decaying group of veterans, to make the finals in and of itself is an accomplishment. But to win, this will be probably one of the greatest postseason runs we have ever seen aside from the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. And I would probably go as far as to say it may even be greater as a Mavericks fan because we were not an eighth seed. So for those of you that have questions, doubts, I think those have been brushed away. The Heat have done everything they've needed to do to prove themselves and have earned a spot at the table for an NBA championship. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it is like you said, they haven't really been favored in any series leading up to this point. And more than likely, if they were to face the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals, they're probably not going to be favored in that one either. Nope. But I think they use that as fuel. I think they use that as uh, bulletin board material. And it's kind of like an us against the world type of mentality. It's kind of very... That's one you got to have. It's something similar to what... um, I mean, I'm rocking the shirt. It's something that, that Bill Belichick used to do. Uh, when the Patriots were going to multiple Super Bowls, he would kind of use that that same principle, and a lot of times it's effective. Where you know you get this us versus the world mentality. Nobody thinks that we're gonna be able to do it, but you go out there and prove them wrong. You prove the doubters wrong, and I think that Miami has taken full advantage of that. I think when it comes to Jimmy Butler, he's the perfect guy to lead that charge. And then when you have a coach like Eric Spolstra leading the way. It's all but possible to make that happen. And I honestly think that the one person that probably is not getting enough shine here in this whole equation when it comes to Miami is Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is looking like the best coach in the NBA right now. Because I don't know if any I don't know if any other coach could be able to rally a team like this to a point where you could barely make it into the playoffs as an AT where nobody is expecting you to even get past the first round against one of the best teams in the NBA with Milwaukee. Not only do you get past them, you get past the second round. And now you're one game away from potentially going to the NBA Finals in a four-game sweep. I, I think there's going to be a discussion this offseason about just how good Eric Spolstra is as a head coach. And to me, he's got to be in that number one or number two position because I just don't find it. I don't really see how any other coach could be able to lead a group of men like this into the position that they're at. And honestly, make it look not flawless, but make it look easy because nobody was yep. expecting Miami to potentially sweep Boston in a four game sweep. I picked the Celtics in six. I picked Miami in seven. But even you, I think, were, would probably look at the situation or the, the hypothetical of, well, let me ask you just a hypothetical question. 
if Miami were to sweep uh, the Celtics, mind you, this is before the series took place. How would you have looked at that question? No shot. I would have been like, this is going to be competitive. Boston is going to give them a run for their money. Jason Tatum's coming off 51. Like, There's a number of outliers, a number of reasons why I would have countered that with so many points. And, and, and that's why sports are beautiful, man. You can make predictions with statistics. You can make them with gut feelings. Unless you are in the locker room, unless you are on the court with these athletes, on the field, whatever realm. it is. Yeah. Yeah, whatever realm it is, you, you just you can't do it. And that's the nature of this job, this business of what Kyle and I are trying to get into. We kind of just are looking from the outside in, but we're trying to look at it within whatever details that we're given through, like I said, statistics and other factors. So the Miami Heat are on a historical run that needs to be respected. And, you know, I think that they need to be given a lot more credit and kudos, even if by some miracle Boston were to make this competitive and force this to game six, even game seven, which has never been done before. Um, the the Miami Heat have done something that people have not expected. I know if they were to make it to the finals, they'd be the second eight seed to make the finals outside of the 99 Knicks. But like I said, this how they've done it against who they've beaten, I, I would have never... If you would have given me a, a playoff sheet to make like a like almost like an NCAA bracket, there was no shot I had Miami getting past the first round, let alone the way that they've dominated Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. So... That the realistic, that's really all I have to say on Miami. Kudos to them. Kudos to Jimmy Butler. Kudos to Eric Spolstra and the organization, Pat Riley and the team that he has assimilated down there in South Beach with the seven undrafted players. Um, that goes to show that they've had a lot of faith in their system to develop, um, as well as their scouting as well as their scouting team and their assistant coaches to develop that 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 talent. So I mean, again, Miami has done something we haven't seen in in, in damn near two decades. So congratulations to them. You know, uh, there was something that my brother and I were talking about last night. If there was a potential of both of these series uh, being sweeps in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, be the first time that something like that has happened since the 50s. So it'd be almost 80 years since we've seen something like that. And Kev, uh, it's a good little segue. You want to give a little update to the Lakers Nuggets game right now? Um, I am going to open that screen as we you're speak. Gonna, you're going to be shocked with what you see. Oh, Denver. Oh, oh, D- wow. Denver. D- Did us 30 in the third, bro. 36 to 16 in the third quarter. Holy shit. Jokic I- has another triple double. Jokic, I think, breaks the all-time triple-double number for a player in the postseason. Holy shit. You know who's got 18 off the bench? Not off the bench, but uh, for the role players? Aaron Gordon's got 19. Porter's got 15. 13 for Caldwell Pope. That's crazy. Braun's got 37. Yeah, he made a layup right, right at the end of the third quarter. Wow. Dude. Okay, well, Kyle called it. Kyle said it while we were on the phone before we started recording. Um, this looks good, but LA has been known to to choke leads later in the second half and the fourth quarter. So before we get into that, we need to talk about a specific good. player that has retired. Kyle, I, I don't want to get into the Lakers just yet because it's not over I know, yet. I know. I just I, I wanted to bring the update up. That's all I was bringing I, it up for. No, no, and that's totally okay. I didn't expect that. My Reaction was 100% authentic. That was oh, that was the that was that. the point. That was the point. Ladies and gentlemen, that's as authentic as you can get if you would have saw my face. But again, 
Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh's co-draftee has retired from the NBA after 19 seasons. Unfortunately, we did not get a farewell tour. Carmelo did not sign with a team in his final season. It's neither here nor there. We're not going to look at the negatives. We are going to look over the career that was Carmelo Anthony. Um, We know him from his days in Denver, from the time he was in New York, um, even the time that he spent in Portland because of, you know, the revitalization of his career after he had gone a year or two from not being signed after he was let go from the Atlanta Hawks and Houston and that whole debacle with OKC and how that uh, trio of Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony failed. So Kyle... Uh, as a Laker fan who faced off against Carmelo Anthony a number of times in the postseason, especially that 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 memorable 2009 series where Melo and Kobe were going at it in six games, um, what are your thoughts on Carmelo Anthony and his incredible career? Oh, Car- Carmelo was phenomenal in his NBA career. It's just unfortunate that the one thing that's going to be attached to his career is that he never won an NBA championship. When it comes to Carmelo just individually as a player, though, Kev, it goes without saying that he was one of the most electrifying players when we were growing up, especially when he was in Denver, when he had his tenure with the Knicks. Kev, he was lights out behind the three-point line, and he wasn't afraid to take those big-time shots in those big-time moments and knock down critical shots for whatever team he was playing for. He's one of the most prolific scorers in the 2000s and the early 2010s. And when it comes to Carmelo... I think there's this idea, especially with kids that are growing up nowadays and thinking that he's a scrub, that he's a shell of of his former self. And that's really all the memory that they have of Carmelo. You know, and maybe this is a time where people like Kevin and I should definitely, you know, influence them a little bit in saying it's like, that wasn't Carmelo. You got Carmelo at the tail end of his career where he just wasn't the same player. He just wasn't as effective as he was when he was in his prime. Because when he, he was in his prime, Kev, he was legitimately one of the best players in the NBA. You could make it a really tough case that he was maybe the best player in the NBA, but I don't think anybody was really making that argument. It was really either Kobe or LeBron during his time when he was in his prime, but he was probably third or fourth in that discussion just based on his shooting ability and his ability to knock down shots at the rim from the mid-range and behind the three-point line. And... You know, you look at Carmelo's whole career. It was extremely effective because they don't put scrubs in the top 75 all-time NBA list when the, the NBA was celebrating its 75th anniversary uh, a couple of years ago, or I believe it was last year. So Carmelo's career was extremely successful. He's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that simply just because of the impact that he brought to the, the NBA as a whole throughout his time. It's just, it's unfortunate that, like I said, he was never able to get that one NBA championship next to his name. To me, that would have capped off one hell of a career with Carmelo. But even despite that, still, it was an amazing career from Carmelo Anthony. You know, outside of the NBA, he won three gold medals with uh, Team USA, 2008, 2012, 2016. So even though he wasn't able to get that NBA championship hardware, he was able to get three gold medals next to his name and alongside his teammates with Team USA in those three Olympic runs 
where they were extremely successful for the United States. You know, to me, I will always look back on Carmelo's uh, on Carmelo Anthony's career uh, with a certain amount of fondness, just because I think when it came to just the, the rivalry that they had uh, between himself and Kobe, especially when they were going back at it, uh, I'd say the late 2000s, like that 2008, 2009, 2010 stretch, that's where I think Kobe and Carmelo really made it interesting in those Western Conference playoffs matchups. And then as far as I see it, he's probably one of the most beloved players in franchise history for the Knicks, even though that it didn't end in a championship. I imagine that a lot of Knicks fans have an extreme amount of fondness for the amount of excitement that he brought to the New York area during his time there. It's just, you know, just to wrap this up, to me, Carmelo Anthony is going to go down as a Hall of Famer. Granted, I know he doesn't have the championship hardware to go along with that, but to me, the guy who played in the NBA for almost 20 years was one of the most exciting figures within the NBA during his time. And honestly, it was a great career, no matter how you look at it. And uh, I think that's how I will always look at Carmelo Anthony's career when it's all said and done. Carmelo obviously is one of the most prolific scorers that this league has seen. I believe he's retiring ninth, if not 10th, on the all-time NBA scoring list. Carmelo Anthony is known for somebody that is going to give you 110% every time down the floor. Maybe not known for his defensive presence, maybe not necessarily known for being a leader in the locker room, but when it comes to offensively, what he was able to put out, whether from the mid-range, whether whether it was down low, whether it was screaming, get the fuck out of here on a rebound, um, Carmelo Anthony is renowned as probably one of the best players of this generation. Growing up, seeing him go toe-to-toe in the Western Conference with the likes of Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki, and a list of other Hall of Fame players was unlike any other. And like I had mentioned in my lead-up, the 2009 Western Conference Finals was prime Carmelo Anthony going at it with Kobe Bryant, to which obviously the Nuggets fell to Kobe eventually going out and getting his fourth NBA championship. It was unlike anything else. I mean, Kobe talked about it, obviously, rest in peace, before he had passed away. Carmelo Anthony has talked about it a number of times in his career to where him and Kobe were very physical. Um, Obviously, they were really good friends, but when it came to being on the court together at the same time competing for a championship, it was something to to be witnessed. I mean, those two were just level one competitors, absolutely giving it 130% at any time they had against one another. The matchups were great. Um, The scoring outputs were great. The back and forth was incredible. The series as a whole was great. Then you go into Carmelo Anthony going to the New York Knicks, uh, eventually being known as his homecoming. It was amazing. I mean, I'll always remember the, the, the one of the first games Carmelo was a Nick coming down the floor and, and hitting a couple shots against the Chicago Bulls to force uh, a big win. Uh, the shot over Lou Aldang and, and a number of other big plays that the Knicks had made while he was there. I mean, Melo scored 61 points on all jump shots in the Garden. Um, Carmelo Anthony led the Knicks to a second-round playoff berth for the first time in God knows how many years with the likes of an old Jason Kidd, Steve Novak, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert. I mean, the, the, the list of players of just randomness kind of goes on. But Carmelo was known as a competitor. How his career ended was unfortunate. Obviously, you know, signing with Oklahoma City, 
then obviously ended up getting traded to Atlanta, then getting picked up by Houston, and then, of course, not being in the league for a few years, then coming back to Portland, revitalizing his career, then going to the Lakers, and then being out of the league again. I believe that he was given an unfair closeout to his career. I mean, if Paul Pierce got a closeout in the Clippers, or should I say in Los Angeles as a Clipper, I believe that Carmelo Anthony deserved a lot better. But again, that's neither here nor there. From an overall standpoint, Carmelo Anthony will always go down as one of the best players of Kyle and I's generation growing up in the 2000s, in the, in the late 90s. Obviously, Kyle and I were born in 94, 95, respectively. But we grew up and actually started paying attention in the 2000s where we actually knew how the sport worked. So, you know, like kudos to Carmelo Anthony. Obviously, you know, like one of the best players that we've seen in a long time, one of the best offensive prolific scorers that we've seen in our generation. And, uh, you know, like he will be severely missed. I will put it out there. I would not be surprised if he were to come out for a year out of retirement next season, the season after, just because he has a lot left in the tank. He's consistently working with his son, Kyan Anthony, and it really does look like he still has a lot. Obviously, when he was a Laker, he averaged 12, 13 points a game, so it's not really a surprise for him to come off the bench again for a competitive team. We will see. Uh, if he hangs it up permanently, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I'm just saying, knowing Carmelo, him not getting the farewell tour, him not getting a chance to go out on his own terms, I would not be surprised if he did. But if he does decide to hang it up, um, tip of the cap, again, as a native New Yorker, what he was able to do for New York City, what he was able to do for the Knicks, um, it was incredible. And uh, he will be a Hall of Famer without a doubt, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know when it comes to Carmelo, just as a competitor, especially being a Lakers fan, you always hated going up against Carmelo when he was a member of the Nuggets just because you knew that he was capable of dropping 30, 40 points on your head. And that was despite having Kobe Bryant on your team. You know, it's just, that's how good Carmelo was. And, you know, like I said at the top, it's just, to me, just the stretch that he had from the beginning of his career, basically throughout his Knicks tenure. That's what I will always remember about Carmelo because it just, after that stretch with New York, he was just kicked around the league. And sadly, and that was something that I think could be looked at as a little bit of disrespect. And I think that Carmelo definitely felt disrespected towards the end of his career. Now you could say, well, he's not the same. He has to adjust to a different role, knowing that there's a bunch of younger players that these teams have to develop. And Carmelo is essentially going to be, a player that could come off the bench. And I think that Carmelo wasn't going to settle for that, knowing that he was still capable of putting up 25, 30 points consistently as a starter. It's just one of those things where I did that, that end of his career may, it may give people a different impression of what Carmelo Anthony was throughout his career. And I just don't think that that was the case to me. I'm not going to judge Carmelo Anthony off of the last two to three, four years of his NBA career. I'm going to judge what he did throughout pretty much his upbringing in the NBA, the early years in Denver and the stretch that he had with New York, because it goes without saying that he was extremely effective. He was lights out with Denver and New York and was honestly one of the most exciting players to watch in the NBA alongside Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. It's not easy to be able to compete against guys that you could technically have on a Mount Rushmore arguably speaking, you know, Carmelo found himself in that third fiddle in guys of that company with LeBron and Kobe, but he was always going toe to toe with them. He could drop 50 points on you. I think, does he have the garden record for most points scored? I think most so. With I think 61. he had 60, 
61 or 62. Yeah, one of those two. So, you know, to me, just a prolific scorer. And to me, he's definitely going to go down as a Hall of Fame player. I just he made the top 75 list uh, when the NBA was celebrating its 75th anniversary. No doubt you're going to the the NBA Hall of Fame. And um, it's just a little bittersweet knowing that he just didn't get that one championship. Definitely had the skill. Definitely had the just the drive to be able to get that. Just unfortunately, it didn't work out for him in that regard. But nonetheless, it was a successful career as far as I see it. And uh, like you said, Kev, uh, Kev uh, tipped a cap on Carmelo Anthony for an outstanding career in the NBA. Not a lot of guys like that come around the NBA, so. Not at all. Uh, our generation is is coming to an end, man. I think Braun is truly, honestly, one of the last ones left to uh, who really emulate what it was like to play in that era. So, again, big shout-out to Melo. And, uh, you know, we'll yeah. kind of move on from there. I think Braun's uh, the only player left from that 03 draft. From that draft, yeah. But from that like, that overall, like, early era, 2000s that generation, era. yeah, that yeah. that's coming yeah. to a close relatively quickly. It was a good era. So, it was a good it, era. Uh, probably arguably one of the best, but we have to talk about the new generation. So Kyle has some thoughts uh, on John Morant's looming suspension that has not come down from the NBA. We talked about it last week. Um, I've said my piece. I've had some backlash for it. I don't regret what I said overall. I mean, John Morant has made two big career mistakes in the last few months of his NBA career, so... Um, Kyle has some thoughts as to what's going on and why he believes that the NBA is kind of dragging their feet on the ruling of his suspension with the NBA Finals looming in the next few days. So, Kyle, what are your uh, what are your thoughts with this whole John Moran situation? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, to me, this whole situation arose when he had his second gun flashing incident last week. And really the only update that the NBA has made in regards to this situation involving John Morant is that Adam Silver was on ESPN and he was talking about what sort of suspension is going to come towards John Morant's way because of this situation. And, you know, he's expecting the worst case scenario in this predicament. Now, to me, when it comes to how the NBA has handled this situation in regards to John Morant, they're dragging their feet on purpose as far as I see it because the situation took place last week. Everybody who watched the video knew that he was flexing a gun on Instagram Live when he had just done a similar type of thing two months prior. And when it came to the first time that the NBA was addressing the situation, to me, they did not go as far as I think that they should have when it came to a suspension the first time around. Now, when it comes to the second time around, Kevin and I already talked about this. We talked about, at a bare minimum, John Morant needs to be suspended at least half of the season because of this reoccurring situation. And mind you, just because of the two situations that John Morant's had on Instagram Live involving firearms, those are not the only situations that he's been involved in. There have been a multitude of other situations that have taken place where he's been involved 
with a firearm where it's not just him, but he's in the vicinity of one. And honestly, it just seems like in the last couple months, trouble has followed John Morant wherever he's been. Now, when it comes to this situation, like I said, bare minimum, I would expect he'd be suspended for half of the season. Kev has gone out and basically said that he should not only be suspended for this next upcoming season, but just face an outright ban, just outright get away from the NBA based on this situation at hand because it's a bad look. You know, optically speaking for the NBA, them dragging their feet with this is kind of ridiculous. And I think the only reason why they're doing it is because they don't want to face any sort of bad press or get any backlash with the NBA Finals approaching. And more than likely, they're going to slow roll this thing past the NBA Finals and then they'll address it once the Finals are over with. And I think to me, I think they're just afraid of the consequences that are coming their way because if there's some sort of potential blowback that they could get because they are perceived to be too harsh in suspending John Morant, apparently they don't want the PR associated with that. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at this situation. As far as I see it, when it comes to Ja, bare minimum, uh, half of the season he he should be suspended for. More than likely to me, what I would say is an acceptable punishment is that he should be suspended for the entire length of next year just because of the amount of times that the situation has come up. And I think that the NBA needs to set a precedent when it comes to these types of situations because to me, if they come off too lenient with this situation involving John Morant, I'm going to look at the NBA brand completely differently knowing that you're allowing players to just outright flex firearms in what I would consider is not the best look from a PR perspective. And at most, you may only give them 15, 20 game suspensions. I think that's far too lenient. And it really kind of goes to show that the NBA is really just in it for the money or they're really just kind of in their own bubble because had this been anybody else where they had two situations in two months involving firearms where they're outright flexing them on Instagram Live, not only would they have lost their job, there would have been a potential charge that they would have had to follow up from the police more than likely. So to me, this situation should have already been handled. Them slow rolling this thing in regards to the NBA slow rolling this thing is a bad look in my mind. And depending on what sort of suspension that they hand down on John Morant, if they're too lenient on job with this situation, optically, they may think that they're doing the right thing. But in my mind, this is one of those situations where you need to set a precedent. And I think it's been a while since the NBA has had to deal with a precedent like this. Like the last time where they had to deal with somebody of this magnitude, meaning of somebody of superstar caliber within the NBA was probably Gilbert Arenas. And I think this is one of those situations where it's a new generation, but they have to set a precedent. And I think John Morant should be that precedent setter. And I think there should be a, a severe suspension in regards to this. But to me, this is mostly about the NBA. You know, John Morant did what he did and now he's going to face the consequences of what he did from the NBA. But to me, the NBA slow rolling this thing is outright unacceptable. And to me, it's a bad look optically. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't have too many thoughts on it. Kyle and I share the same opinion. This definitely should have been clear cut and concise uh, in terms of what I think. So we'll kind of move on from there to our next segment. 
which is, of course, I got this one going Kev. to. You got it. Swing it, swing it, swing it, Kev, swing it over Kev, here. You Kev, know, Kev. This is it's like your favorite player of all time. Shut up. You know what it is. I, I, trust me, I, I know what it is. I, I've been waiting for this one. So uh, we, we get to talk about Kev's favorite player of all time, and that is one James Harden. Uh, James Harden is more than likely moving on from the Philadelphia 76ers this offseason uh, after having an up-and-down second-round playoff series with Philly uh, against the Boston Celtics. Word around town is, is that James Harden is looking to play for a potential playoff contender this upcoming year, and he is looking for potentially landing upwards of a contract that could get him $200 million over the course of that contract. If you guys are watching, you can see the outright dismay of what that could potentially bring for uh, for James Harden's future. But nonetheless, I think there's definitely a market where James could take advantage of. And I think more than likely, he's going to get a pretty sizable contract this offseason. And uh, obviously, time will tell. We don't know where he's going to land. I know there's been rumors circulating uh, about him potentially returning to the Houston Rockets, even though they are the antithesis of a playoff contender. I would imagine the Houston clubs are probably lining up ready for James Harden if that uh, possibility plays itself out over this upcoming summer. But nonetheless, the James Harden sweepstakes apparently are back on and we'll see how things play out this offseason when it comes to which teams could potentially land him. So Kev, to get this one to you, with the word being that James Harden could potentially land a $200 million contract this summer, just give me your overall thoughts of where James could go and the impact that this could have for the rest of his potential career. Have teams lost their mind? Like, seriously, what actual contender in this league is ready to commit $200 million to a 34-year-old player? He's not washed by any means. We saw what he can do in the postseason. We saw what he can do in the regular season in terms of 20-plus points, led the league in assists. He definitely still has gas left in the tank. But you play, excuse me, you pay players for what they can do for you when it matters most. Yes, he had two 40-point games in seven games of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. But in the games in which he did not drop those points, he was damn near invisible. In Game 7, where it mattered the most, He had 11 shot attempts and only made three of them with nine total points. In the final two games of that series, he had 10 or 11 turnovers by himself. What has he shown me to say you're worth $50 million a year? Because again, he wants 200 plus, right? That's going to be over a four to five year span. If it's within four years, it's going to be $50 million a year. Who in the hell is going to pay him that much money? LeBron James doesn't even make $50 million in a season. And he's in the Western Conference Finals at age 38 with damn near 40 points in an elimination game. I want you to tell me what James Harden brings to the table to deserve $50 million. He had flashes. He had spurts. That's not consistent basis anymore. That's not 2018, 2017 James Harden averaging 36 points a game. This, 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 this is barely half of him. He has enough to go all in every other game. That's to say, 
And just that's just to assume that he's going to play 82 games in a year, which we know he's not. He is one of the least most clutch players I've ever seen outside of that shot in game four, if I'm not mistaken, to put Philly up uh, to tie the series two to two against the Celtics to where he had a shot in overtime over Jalen Brown in the corner. He's consistently turning the ball over. He has way too many off games as opposed to his few on games. And overall, his body language just doesn't scream like he's somebody that wants to be somewhere. I mean, let's, let's be honest. The guy asked Doc Rivers permission this postseason to go to the club in Vegas because the Celtics took six games to beat the Hawks because they swept Brooklyn. So he took it upon himself to say, you know what? I'm going to prioritize myself and my selfish needs, and I'm going to go to the club. To which he was caught by TMZ smacking somebody at the back door. So your team first, you want to be on a contender, you want to win, but your best chance to win that you've had arguably in your career in terms of supporting cast with Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and, and, and the remainder of the Philadelphia 76ers, you wouldn't want to opt in to compete again. Philly can offer you the most money. You got Doc Rivers fired. You made it to the semifinals, which is the farthest you've made since the Western Conference Finals when Chris Paul got hurt against the Warriors. Now you want to go back to Houston, who is a lottery team with two ball-dominant guards at Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. And Ime Udoka. I'm, I'm genuinely stroking my beard and my mustache here just trying to think about what dumbass organization would sign you. I, I don't understand. I mean, Dwight Howard's out here calling for people in Taiwan. You might want to go out there if you want that much money because I don't know what NBA team in terms of contenders is going to give you. Because if Houston gives it to you to come back, by all means, have fun wasting the final years of your career. But if you really want to win, you opt into the $35.8 million contract that's remaining with Philadelphia. You run it back with the defending MVP. You're going to have a new head coach. Figure it out. But no, you forced your way out of Houston to go to Brooklyn. You forced your way out of Brooklyn to go to Philly. And now you are going to leave Philly, which is the best case situation for the remainder of your career, in my personal opinion, in terms of contending and competing to go back to a struggling, rebuilding Houston Rockets team. By all means, James Harden, continue to waste your career. You're an absolute piece of shit, and you're just wasting time. So by, I, I, I will deal with your stupid step-backs for the next remainder, what, three, four years of your career for you to waste my time. Have fun in Houston. I bet the clubs are just popping bottles, just waiting for you to get back, because clearly that's your priority, because winning sure as hell isn't. You go get that bag, though. And Congratulations. A be, and a team's going to be dumb enough to give it to him. Have fun. I, I mean, to me, when it comes to James Harden, I'm not as harsh as uh, my partner here would, would really lay it out on the line, simply just because when I look at James Harden, to me, there's no doubt that he definitely deserves criticism for the up-and-down nature of what he provided the Philadelphia 76ers in that Eastern Conference semifinals. I guess the Boston Celtics. It's just to me, when I look at James, James is in a situation where maybe he's just going to perform better, where he doesn't have to share the rock with somebody who's of similar caliber, as far as an NBA superstar is concerned, because it definitely seemed like 
Joel was definitely the primary force offensively for Philly, especially this year since he won the MVP. And I think when it comes to James, even in the one game, I think it was game one of that series uh, against the Celtics, he dropped 40 points. He hit the go-ahead three, the, the game-winning three, on the road against Boston with Joel out in that first game. So to me, Joel could still be able to perform at a high level. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, disregard his effectiveness in being able to knock down shots consistently. It's just to me, are we gonna get that James Harden from Houston, where he could hit those knock, he could hit those step back threes with relatively ease? More likely, that's not more than likely that's not gonna happen. But I still think that he could go out there and consistently get. I don't know, 25 points a game. I think that he could still be able to do that. Even though that he is older, he's not the same player when he was a couple years ago. I still think that he could provide a pretty good service for a potential playoff contender. I highly doubt that he's going to return to the Philadelphia 76ers. I just don't see that happening. I just, I think that more than likely he's looking for, like Kev said, a contract that's going to pay him an exorbitant amount of money. And I think if he gets it for a four to five year deal, I think that he'll he'll take it. If that if it goes with Houston, to me that's where he's just going to finish out his, his career. I mean, at that point, when it comes to contending for a championship, that is not going to happen. At that point, he's pretty much just going to finish out his career, make the amount of money that he wants to before he ends off retiring. And I think to him, I think he's perfectly fine with settling in that regard. To me, you know, I think at the end of your career especially with James being on the back half of his career at this point. I think that vying for a championship should be at the forefront. It should be the primary factor in what a player pursues at this point. Obviously, that doesn't seem to be the case with James Harden. But, hey man, it's his life. If this is what he wants to do, this is the way that he wants to finish his career, he can have at it. I think, you know, from a big picture perspective, I think it's relatively short-sighted. You're just back chasing then at that point. If it comes to pursuing a championship, if that's not really worth it to you, then by all means, you can go out in this regard. But I think when it comes to the respect that is potentially given to a player like James, don't get me wrong, James is a fantastic basketball player. But, you know, if you're just back chasing, there's a little bit left to be desired as far as I see it. So. We'll see what happens with James. I think he's still going to get a massive contract this offseason. More than $200 million. Team actually does give that to him. Good luck. But I think at this point, if he were to get some around, I'd say $35 to $40 million a year, I think a team would be more than willing to give that up. But if you're talking about giving him $50 million over the next four years, I think he'd be insane to do that. But knowing how desperate some teams are, they'll probably pull the trigger on that. So we'll see what happens with him this offseason. But I think it's more than likely uh, over with him in Philly. Kev, you got your uh, you got your hands on your head here. What you're looking at this right now? This man, Jokic, just did another fadeaway off of one foot, basically on the three-point line, and made it with no time on the clock over yeah. Anthony Davis. He, he made one of those shots earlier in the game, too. It was absolutely insane. LeBron's got 40. Guys, again, you guys will have already known the final to this, but at the point that we're recording, there are two minutes and 10 seconds on the clock. Denver's up 109. 
or excuse me, 110 to 107. And this is just absolutely ludicrous as to how back and forth this is going. LeBron James is digging in his bag, trying to will the Lakers to survive and force a game five. And Nikola Jokic is out here making circus fucking shots. Because yep. I... It, it, it's, a, it's a game. It's a game to him. He is playing in his backyard with his horses, his donkeys, his, his cow, whatever it is that he does in, 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 in uh, Serbia is what he is doing right now on an NBA court. There's just, there's no answer for him. There just isn't. And then Austin Reeve goes and hits a shot at, at a three. Guys, this game, if you're not watching it, it's insane. If you didn't watch it by the time we finish this, I don't know what you're doing. It's Monday. Ain't nothing to do on a Monday night. But, guys, this is nuts. This is just absolutely an incredible game. And this is the last segment on the line right now. So we really well, don't have much else to talk about other than the series as a whole. Honestly, Kev, I, I just kind of want to dedicate like the, the last portion of the episode to just seeing how the last couple of minutes playing out. Because there's not that much time left. There's only, what, yeah. two minutes? Two minutes flat. Yeah, so... I, my my stream that I'm watching on my phone is a little bit behind yours, so uh, as of right now, I'm just seeing Aaron Gordon uh, going up to the free throw line. I don't know if he made any of them, but they just showed just, me the replay of Jokic hitting that shot again. Just um... that was the second wow. shot that he hit in the in this game where it was very similar, where it was just a circus type shot. Even LeBron, I don't know if you caught it earlier, where LeBron was throwing up an alley oop pass to Ray Hachimura. And he straight out splashed it behind the three-point line. Yeah, saw that in the first quarter, yeah. So that's what got LeBron cooking in the first quarter. Once he knocked down that shot, it's like the rest of them are going to go in if he can actually spot up and get in proper form. Bro, yeah, just, I mean, bro, guys, just to kind of like preview some of the game, uh, Nicholas got another triple-double. He's got eight triple-doubles in this postseason run, surpassing Wilt Chamberlain, who had seven triple-doubles in a postseason run. So Jokic is now in elite company once again with something else. LeBron James has scored 40 points, has eight rebounds and nine assists. Again, he is flirting with a triple-double in an elimination game. And it's just, again, the supporting cast of the Denver Nuggets is is, is just playing lights out. I mean, just to give you the box yeah. score as to what we have at this very moment in time, we're talking 22, 15, 28, 25, and 13, just for the starters of the Nuggets. They've only played two people off the bench to where Jeff Green has two and Bruce Brown has six. This is truly and honestly the definition of being carried by your starting five. And Mike Malone obviously wants to end this game right here and now. You know what's crazy, bro? This is Reggie Jackson's on this team. Reggie Jackson don't get no burn. I don't understand why he got bought out by the Clippers and still doesn't play. I know, and he can hoop. Yeah, we saw him hoop for LA. This seems like it's going to be a lot of free throws back and forth because... On my stream right now, Anthony Davis just got fouled, so we may not be able to stall this for very long. So, I mean, I'm just thinking from a, an overall, like, rather than drag the episode out as a whole, let's talk about the series. Mm -hmm. Kyle, I'm only going to just send this your way because, again, you're the Laker fan. Wait, we'll keep the split screen for now. Yeah, I mean, just in general, what are your thoughts on L.A. going down 3-0? I mean, each and every game, it just looks like L.A. cannot hold a lead together or just falls apart in the fourth quarter to where Nikola, Jamal Murray, somebody takes over and you guys can't come back. Yeah, and to me, it's very simple. The Lakers have been competitive in these games, and I know that Denver's up 3-0 with the potential of sweeping this series in four, but the Lakers have been in every single game. It's just that, to me, the biggest difference is, is that the Nuggets 
they just look fresher as a team going into the fourth quarter and they are just knocking down their shots at a high rate. I mean, you could look at some of these games in particular. Game two, back and forth game. I think the Lakers even took the lead in the fourth quarter in that game two in Denver. And then Jamal Murray goes on this huge run in the fourth quarter where he's knocking down multiple three-point shots, really puts the Lakers in a bind, and the Lakers just couldn't respond effectively. You could look to game three, first game in L.A., Jamal pops off for 30 points in the first half, yet the Lakers are still going toe-to-toe with him. The Lakers were up in the fourth quarter in game three, and then Denver just goes on a huge run to close out the fourth quarter where Jokic was on fire. Jamal was still knocking down shots. He wasn't as hot in the second half compared to what he was in the first half, but nonetheless, he was still effective at times. And then it's guys like KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, hitting shots behind the three-point line. Jokic can even go out there and hit the occasional three-point shot just because if he gets the open look for it, he'll take the shot. And and then you could look at maybe guys like Michael Porter Jr. or or Bruce Brown. Michael Porter Jr. has hit some pretty timely shots, especially behind the three-point line. And, you know, Kev, that was one of the things that we were talking about going into the series was how effective would someone like Michael Porter Jr. be knowing that he's had an inconsistent playoff run at this point for Denver. I think that he's been pretty effective. Granted, he's not going out there scoring 30 points, but he's still knocking down a high number of his shots. And when it comes to the Lakers, the Lakers have gotten good contributions from their role players. Austin Reeves, Roy Hachimura, they have played extremely well. It's just the one absent player throughout this entire playoff run, uh, specifically in this series against Denver, was D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell has been extremely cold. He can't get into a rhythm. He's been ice cold behind the three-point line. And it's a complete reversal of what we've seen from him in the first two series where the Lakers won those series and got to this point. And then on top of that, I I think the Lakers, they haven't gotten the best performances from LeBron James. You know, granted in this game four performance, he's been fine. He's been playing extremely well. He's over 40 points at this point. But there have been times where he's looked a little bit more passive. It may be in consequence of primarily running the office for Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis has had a pretty decent playoff series against Denver. But enough to be able to eclipse what Nikola Jokic is doing on the other end? Probably not. So to me, overall, the Lakers have shown that they can run it with Denver. It's just that at the most opportune times, the Lakers have failed. The Nuggets have succeeded. And that's really been the difference maker in this series. And I think on top of that, I think the Lakers have made a slight mistake in putting so much attention on Jokic, where if they put too much attention on the help against Jokic, they're leaving guys like KCP, Michael Porter Jr., and Jamal Murray wide open for three-point shots. And Denver's knocking them down. Denver's a better three-point shooting team than LA. That's been the case the entire year. They have definitely taken the Lakers to task on that. And... You know, you look at the difference of, okay, if Denver's knocking down 16, 17 three-point shots in a game and LA's only making maybe 10 or 11, that's a six three-point shot difference in making three-point shots. That's an 18-point difference. It's going to get you. And honestly, you know, depending on how this game four finishes out, there's only a couple, I mean, we're at the tail end of the game. You know, you, you look back on some of these key stats and you could definitely see the difference of where the Nuggets are making a bigger impact than the Lakers and you know, Lakers get swept in four games. 
it just really goes to show how good Denver is. Denver's definitely worthy of being the number one seed. And, uh, you know, I think they have a very good chance to uh, make a good case to potentially not only do really well in the finals, but win the finals. And honestly, I, was I just, just kind find of it funny. That. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 31 seconds left. LA just called timeout with three seconds left to inbound the ball. Um, I just find it comical in this series how every narrative from every sports media broadcast unit like ESPN, like Bleacher Report, instead of praising the Nuggets, like, you know, like, you know, when was the last time the Nuggets have been in a situation like this? You know, like how effective Nikola Jokic has been, you know, the supporting cast of Jamal Murray and everybody else. It's been focalized around, can the Lakers come back from an 0-3 deficit? Can LeBron James break history again and be the first person to come back from an 0-3 deficit? Can the LA Lakers find a way to scrummage back and at least make this competitive? There have been no headlines in favor and in both conferences of the Heat and the Nuggets. It's all around the Lakers and the Celtics, LeBron James and Jason Tatum, and what each team can do to improve for the next game, as opposed to giving the proper shine to the teams that deserve it. LA is losing this series, whether it's been close or not. The bottom line it is 3-0 in favor of the Nuggets. It's 3-0 in favor of the Heat, and neither team is getting the media attention that they deserve. Mm-hmm. So I just find it funny how there's always an agenda to push. I know we always joke about the script and how that was an ongoing joke throughout the rest of se- throughout the regular season, but sometimes it's like some of those things just seem authentic because it's like, how are you not talking about the team that's actually winning, but you're focused on the team that's down the three, you know, three games? And ooh, that was a bad shot. 23 seconds to go. Denver's pushing the ball up. It's 113-111. 19 seconds to go. Denver's going to hold for the last shot. It is 14 seconds on the shot clock, 11 seconds on the actual game clock. Or no, I had that backwards. I think it was 11 on the play clock, uh, on the uh, shot clock, and 14 on the game clock. Four yeah, seconds a... to go. LA has the ball. Timeout LA. 113-111. LA will take the last shot with their season on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a it does not get more LeBron. authentic than this. That was a bad shot by LeBron. Oh, 100%. That was... that was a bad shot by Braun and a worse shot by Jamal Murray on the other side. Well, I mean, okay, you got Lakers for the last shot. What are you going to run here? I don't know, man. They're going to hone in on Braun. You got to find a way to kick it out to one of your role players like Lonnie Walker, maybe even Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves has made some clutch shots. I mean, you can even try to have a a, a pin down, have Anthony Davis come up as LeBron James catches it, maybe even have a a quick... I don't even know, man. Like, you have Nikola Jokic in the paint. You can't even run a curl. Like, it's just so tough. I I think at this point, you go for the win. Do you? Your season on the line, you go for three. You don't try to tie it and go to OT? Because, I mean, look, if you could run a, a pick and roll with LeBron and LeBron drives Not into... Not enough time with four seconds, man. You could run it quick. Four seconds is enough time, but it had to be You're going to collapse quick. on the ball handler, though. You're going to force a bad shot. They'd have to get LeBron on a run, set the pick, and then he's just going to have to try to drive into the lane and then... I think they deny the LeBron. I'm a second ahead of you, so I'm not going to say a word, and I'm going to try to have no facial expression, so I'm going to do my best. Yeah, because all I'm looking at You're like right a now, millisecond behind me. Well, right now, I'm seeing a Wingstop commercial. Yeah, you're selling a commercial. They're about to inbound for me. I will say nothing, guys. The only reason I have my phone in my hand is so that I can see. Actually, I'm going to shut off the uh, the tab that I have for, for the game. So, you remember, no facial expressions, right? 
No facial expressions. All right, they got four seconds left, so. I mean, they got plenty of time to get a shot off. That That's not going to be the issue here. Um, I think it's, it's going to come down to who's going to have the rock to be able to get the last shot off. I think to me, if you get it to LeBron, get it to Austin Reeves, it's probably going to be your two best options. Oh, but uh, Reeves is inbounding the ball. Never mind. That's it. And the Nuggets advance. The Nuggets sweeped the Los Angeles, swept, excuse me, swept the Los Angeles Lakers and advanced to the NBA Finals. LeBron James scores over 40 points, does everything he can to will this team to somewhat of a, of, of a competition. And uh, it falls short, man. Congratulations to Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Mike Malone, and the supporting cast of the Nuggets organization. They advanced to the Finals. Kudos to them for sweeping the Lakers. It that was, was great. That was, what an incredible game. That was crazy, though. That, that was the play. Get LeBron the ball and drive to the basket. That was bad, man. They doubled him. Jamal Murray was there on the help defense. Aaron Gordon was there on the shot attempt. You can make the argument LeBron was fouled. It looked like Jamal had his hand on the ball the whole time, so maybe even call a jump ball. But with four seconds, you let them play. Looks clean to me. Hand on the ball the whole way. That's a tough shot, bro. Because Aaron Gordon was on his hip the entire time. Yep. That was a good I follow. cannot believe they got swept. That was a that was great defense by uh, not only by Jamal but by Aaron. Aaron was on his hip that entire time. That's great defense by Aaron. And Jamal, that that's great help defense. And then he got blocked on the shot too. I was just that was great defense. That was great defense by Denver. All right, well, guys, yeah. you got the final. You got our analysis of the series. I mean, realistically, the Nuggets are going to the finals. It's a matter of who's coming out on the East on the on the Celtics and Heat side. So, Kyle, I don't have anything else. That was our live reaction. Obviously, mine was delayed, but, you know, it is what it is. I wanted to be like, yeah. that was a shot, but I, I, for, for your sake, I do what I, I, do what I can. Yeah, I, I mean, really just one final thought, you know, when it comes to this uh, Denver Nugget, Los Angeles Lakers series is Denver is just – this is their year to me. You know, Denver has been that number one seed in the West. They've earned it. And I know Kevin and I were talking about just the media narratives that we were hearing behind this series. And a lot of it was geared towards the Lakers. You know, could LeBron be able to lead this team uh, to an NBA Finals over the Denver Nuggets? But Denver had been the better team consistently throughout this playoff series. And I think a credible case can be made that Denver wasn't getting enough shine and respect for the effort that they were displaying game in and game out. I mean, Kev, even though that this was competitive, Kev, if you're looking at this from a casual fan perspective, it's a sweep. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you could nitpick here and there about each individual game. Had the Lakers done this, had the Lakers done that, it'd be a different series. But it's like, at the end of the day, they got swept by the Denver Nuggets. And I think... This is something that is going to be interesting this offseason because, you know, LeBron's getting up there. He's going to be 38. It's going to be 39 next season. You know, how many cracks is he going to get at this? Because, I mean, he's on the tail end of his career. Granted, he's still effective. He just dropped over 40 points in game four. So he could still play at a high level. But to me, 
You know, when it comes to Denver, Denver is legit. They definitely deserve this trip to the NBA Finals. Nobody can take that away from them. But I think that Denver has a really good case to be made that they were slighted. Even though being up in this series 3-0. 3-0. Going into game four. And like I said, I, granted, I'm a Lakers fan. I, I will put my bias aside here. I picked Denver to win this series. I didn't expect it to be a sweep. But, man, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron KCP, Gordon did his thing today. Like, like, like all of these guys. Bro, they are running a seven-man rotation. And they are getting it done. I, dude, this is going to be crazy. You know, with Denver going to the finals, more than likely Miami is going to meet them. It's going to be potentially a great series between, hypothetically, Denver and Miami. We'll see what happens with Miami in game four on Tuesday night. But overall, dude, Denver deserves a lot of credit. And I know that they probably won't get that from the nationwide media, especially from the sports media. But to me, man... Jokic is going to be a problem in the finals, bro. He's a He's been a problem for opposing teams the entire postseason run. And, man, Denver's got a really good shot to win the finals here. So, honestly, well done by Denver. They Absolutely. They were able to make more plays, especially late in the fourth quarter in most of these games. And that was the difference maker. Because I will give the Lakers credit. The Lakers made it a competitive series, even though that they lost every single game. Each individual game was competitive. It's just that... Denver showed that they had more in the tank late in those fourth quarters, got those shots, knocked down those shots, and the Lakers just they couldn't respond as effectively. And that's the difference. So overall, we'll see how uh, things play out with Denver. But overall, congratulations on, on making the finals for Denver. It's well-deserved. Yes, sir. That's going to wrap it up for us today. Um, we're going to play it by ear by the week because obviously now the Denver series is over. All that's left is Miami. If Miami ends up closing it out tomorrow night, which Kyle and I both expect us to, we may have some segments coming up. There's no reason to divulge an entire episode just on two wrapped up series. We just covered one of them. So again, we will play it by ear and see what happens. But overall, you guys will see us again later this week. I'm back from vacation. Kyle doesn't go on his for another, what, two weeks? Three weeks? Yeah, two weeks. So plenty of content coming your way until then. But without further ado, guys, we appreciate it. As always, um, all the support, social media platforms, YouTube, audio, whatever the case may be. We will see you guys again soon. Kyle, take us home, man. Honestly, I've got nothing more to add. That's just a good way to wrap it up. So uh, like Kev said, definitely appreciate the support. We will be back later this week. Uh, more than likely, it'll just be a lead up to the finals. And then we'll just kind of play it by ear after that. But with that said, you guys, once again, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you guys later this week. If you're a working professional wondering what's next for your career, you've come to the right place. Whether you're looking for a promotion, growth, or a potential career transition, look no further. With over 30 years working in a variety of industries, I share my insider knowledge with those ready to get ahead on Career Advancement with Craig Ansell. Tune in to get your strategies for success. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! 
On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.